and the sound's going to be coming from behind you, but you can still watch us here. We have a few technical difficulties, so. Christmas child shoebox and it's filled with fun toys, hygiene items, school supplies and a personal message. But really it's much more than that. It's a tangible expression of God's love to introduce Jesus Christ. Churches just like this, when they pack shoeboxes, have a significant gospel impact around the world. In the beginning, people from this village they were hard-hearted to receive the gospel. The turning point was when we distributed gift boxes. I saw a great impact. After the distribution, many of children gave their life to Jesus and started with the greatest journey. The greatest journey is so impactful because it's the word of God. I've seen Jesus putting hope upon the children. God is doing a great work. If you want something as a pastor where your people can get involved in ministry, something that has maximum impact in the worldwide kingdom of Christ, I mean, what better thing could you do than be involved in Operation Christmas Child? It's a no-brainer. I have seen firsthand how a shoebox is an opportunity and a tool that opens the door to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. With these boxes, open kids' hearts to the fact that there's people all over the world that love them, and what it shows them ultimately is that there's a God that loves them. This is one of many shoebox distributions we've been doing on the nation of Kiribati. We're tens of thousands of shoebox gifts, and even though it's August, uh, it's Christmas for these children. Scripture tells us to go throughout all ends of the earth and bring the good news of Jesus Christ to make fishers of men. That's what we've been called to do, and that's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders and knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. opportunities are shared in over 120 countries and more than 4 million children enroll in the greatest journey and learn to be disciples. The gospel is truly going to the ends of the earth. Your local church is having a massive impact all because of the simple act of packing a shoebox. These shoebox gifts create an opportunity for entire congregations to fulfill the Great Commission. With every shoebox you pack, your church is empowering and training churches globally to share the gospel. This is truly the Great Commission in action.
on their website. I encourage you to go on there and check some of the other ones out. Um, today, I just want to share with you some things, um, how you can serve at Mill Creek and some figures for you. Um, since Samaritan's first started Operation Christmas Child in the early 90s, over 198 million boxes have been delivered to 170 countries, and they've shared the greatest journey in 80-plus languages. And this right here is what it's about, guys. The box is just a way for them to share God's love and hope, but then they're able to share um, the gospel with these kids who may not ever have heard of Jesus before, and it's been reported that almost 15 million children have made a decision for Christ through a shoebox, um, and that's just the number that's been reported. There's probably even more because once they learn the gospel, they take it home and share it with their families as well. So how can you serve in this ministry here at Mill Creek? We start with the four Ps. And the first one is pray. You can pray for the ministry, pray for um, drop-off weeks, pray for the children and all the, the volunteers with Operation Christmas Child. Um, you can pack. You can pack a shoe box. So I'm sure you've seen these boxes everywhere here already. We kind of got an early start this year, and people were already packing. Um, if you don't want to pack a box, you can provide items to go in the box. There are specific items that are allowed. Um, and we're going to have a packing party here on November 9th. All the kids during regular uh, Wednesday night service will be packing boxes. So those items that you provide, you can have them here before that night. And uh, we will utilize them during the packing party. You can also pay. And what I mean by that is Samaritan's Purse, um, there is a delivery fee to these other countries. And this year, the, the cost is $10 per box. So if you decide that you want to sponsor 10 or 20 boxes, you can write a check. You make that check to Samaritan's Purse or Operation Christmas Child. Do not make it to Mill Creek because we'll have to redo it. Um, you can put your check in this envelope. These are at the uh, station down here in the fellowship hall. You can put it in there and mail it off yourself. You can give it to myself, Josephine Powell, or Susan Ditzler. Or if you pack a box and you also want to put um, the $10 in the box, you just put it in the box. They don't. We don't keep up with how much money we're sending. We just put them in the boxes and... Samaritan's Purse deals with the rest of it. There's also these um, labels that you can get, and it's got this little QR code on here where you can follow your box to where, to what country it goes to. So um, those are ways that you can serve. We also have the packing party that I mentioned November 9th. You can come and help help the little kids with that. That's always fun. Sunday, November 13th will be our dedication Sunday, so we ask that if you are packing a box, please have all your boxes here by that Sunday. The very last 
day that you can bring a box is November 21st. We have um, drop-off week, and Mill Creek serves as a, a drop-off for surrounding um, churches so they can bring their boxes here. That is November 14th through November 21st. And if you wanted to volunteer during one of those hours, all this information is in your newsletter. Um, you can contact myself or Josephine Powell, and we will put you to work. So I appreciate everyone that has served in this ministry in the past and, and packing boxes, and, and God bless you. I was saying it's so fun to watch the kids pack boxes because what we as adults think that they we would want to put in there, they put totally different stuff. So I guess it's a good thing it's kids for kids. Um, we're going to have fellowship time right now. If we have any preschoolers who would like to go out for a Bible story and activities with Miss Laura right here, everyone else, um, stand up, take a few minutes, fellowship together, and we will sing again.
told them early times, I don't normally get nervous, but I'm a little, um, I'm sharing some really personal things that a lot of the church knows, but we have so many new folks and new faces that um, it makes me a little, but I'll be okay. As most of you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and that's why we are dressed in pink today or you're wearing a pink ribbon. We want to recognize those who have fought, are fighting, and remember those whose life on earth ended due to some type of cancer. We want to remind women to take care of themselves. Get your mammogram, see your doctor. I know during the pandemic, a lot of that didn't go on, but you know what? We need to get back to it. Um, it is estimated that 338,900 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in 2022. Although rare, 2,710 men will be diagnosed also with breast cancer. And as Danny will say, we have a, a man on our prayer list that has breast cancer. One in eight women will get breast cancer in their lifetime. Every two minutes, a woman is diagnosed. But the good news is there are 3.8 million women who have um, survived breast cancer in the United States, and I'm sure so many of the other cancers also. Um, uh, we want to recognize and pray for folks, and I'm going to ask for audience participation, and you will see why when we get through. If you are currently um, fighting cancer of any kind, do we have anyone in here? Um, if you have a family member who has fought cancer, would you please stand up? If you have somebody in your workplace or friends who have dealt with cancer, please stand up. As you can see, most everybody here is standing up because we're all affected by cancer. You may be seated. In 2018, um, Philip and myself, along with my family's support and a whole lot of research, I made the decision to have a preventative double mastectomy after genetic testing revealed that I had the POW B2 gene. Because of so much uh, cancer in my family, I had a very high probability to get breast cancer. It was not easy, but I thank God that he has given us the ability to find these things out and to make informed decisions. If you have any questions, concerns, anything about genetic testing, um, anything I went through, please come see me. I will be glad to talk to you. Honestly, the genetic testing is a blood test. So, um, And for those who have gone through chemo and radiation or are going through it right now, um, I applaud you for being so strong and courageous. One of the ways to worship through difficult times is a life-giving, out loud pattern of worship that we see throughout Scripture. It starts by recognizing the power and the presence of God. Then we proclaim, we proclaim his goodness to others. That's what I'm doing today. We want to see this. Um, we see this in Deuteronomy when we read of Moses proclaiming the greatness of God to all his people. He says, I 
will proclaim the Lord's name. Declare the greatness of God. That's Deuteronomy 32.3. And in Psalms, when we hear it in the psalmist song of praise, in times of both celebration and suffering, he proclaimed, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. That was Psalm 34.1. As I'm sure most of you can attest, how do we get through such tough times as fighting cancer, going through surgeries, hospitalizations, family difficulties, loss of loved ones, um, without the church family? I don't know where I would have been without the love and support of my church family. And I ask each of you to be that encourager today. If you know someone who's going through cancer, um, just be encouraged with them. If you have um, know people in any other kind of hard time, just have an encouraging word. Maybe send them a card. Just let them know you're thinking about them. And um, I would like to pray now if we could um, bow our heads. Our Father, I thank you so much for your love and your goodness, even in bad times. And Lord, we know that a diagnosis of cancer is not a good time. So Lord, um, for those who are going through um, treatments right now, as Sue Sweet is, and those who um, have beat cancer, Lord, we just thank you for that, and Lord, we just ask that um, you will bring a um, cure for cancer. Lord, we know that um, it is such a devastating um, disease for our, for our nation and our world, and Lord, um, just ask you to wrap your arms around those that are going through that right now. Lord, we thank you um, for your goodness, and we praise you this time in Jesus' name. Especially as we head into our time of prayer, as Cindy mentioned, we have a variety of people who are dealing with cancer, the effects of it on our prayer list, and we want to be sure to uh, remember them. Our person of prayer for this week is a young man by the name of Owen Jeter. Owen had such a good time on Wednesday night telling me that his class took a field trip to the farm. For him, it's like, oh. But he got to show all his class for Jeter Farm, and he was excited about that, and I enjoyed hearing him talk about it. But remember Owen this week, also uh, Susan Ditzler. Susan is at home, recovering slowly, John said, from type A flu. I uh, want to lift her up. Peggy Fridley, recovering uh, from her recent infection. Wayne Wirtz is going to be having a nerve ablation on Wednesday and Thursday of this week for his back. And so remember Wayne. Um, in this coming week, and Sue Sweet was mentioned she had her second chemo treatment on Thursday, was here for the first hour. Sue is feeling pretty good right now. I want to continue to lift her up. Uh, John and Pat Huffman, uh, I, I smile every time I think of them because they would just, I was sharing with Debbie the other day, they would give whatever they could to be in church, but the doctor says no. And so they are zooming in for every, they zoom in for business meetings. When most people go, oh, business meeting, I'm staying home. They zoom in because they want to be here. So remember John and Pat, they just live right across the street. Uh, Randy Ballard is Lisa Ballard's dad. And uh, Lisa and Ron come to the first service, but Randy is the one who Cindy was talking about. He already had breast cancer this past week. Um, was told he has liver cancer as well. And so uh, his doctors are looking at a protocol for him right now. So remember them. 
Also, uh, Bishop's family has been on our prayer list, still looking for um, a donor, but in the meantime, Johns Hopkins has um, invited them to come up there, and so hopefully Fisher will receive with some new eyes, maybe some new options as well. So be praying for that family as they think, uh, if I remember right, Fisher's five years old, maybe up to Johns Hopkins for this plastic anemia that he's dealing with. Uh, a host of others that are on our prayer list, and I'm sure prayer requests that you have on your hearts and minds as well. So let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer. God, we do come before you thanking you for the many ways in which you used modern medicine and technology to help us. The giftedness that you've given to um, scientists and the medical professionals that can continue to make strides and advances. We know in Scripture we are called to care for and to cultivate, and Lord, that's part of that process as we continue to discover new ways of dealing with things that are part of this sin-laden society we live in. So Father, we thank you for modern treatments. We look forward to treatments that continue to come our way to help. And Father, one day we do pray for a cure to cancer. Lord, even if that does not happen on this side of eternity, we know that on the other side of this world, that cancer will be a word that we don't ever have to think about again. And so, Father, be with those who are dealing with cancer right now, with the effects of it, with treatments for it. Continue to encourage them, and as Cindy said, send people their way to encourage them. Father, for others on our prayer list, we think of those who are struggling right now to recover from illnesses like Susan Bitzler and Peggy Fridley. Father, for Wayne Worth as he prepares for this ablation process and his back, Father, lift him up to you. Pray that you would um, help that to be beneficial for him. Lord, for John and Pat Publix, for the prayer warriors they are, the way they support our church, even by not being able to be here, Father, the way they support Lord, we thank you. Pray that you would encourage them. Lord, for uh, the Trammell family and others who are seeking help right now, guide their footsteps. Father, for us, as we continue to worship, as we look into your word in just a little bit, as we continue to um, praise you through music, Lord, we pray that you would be honored and glorified through all that is done in this place. And for our offering, Father, now as we prepare to receive it, Lord, bless it. Use it in ways that we can't imagine. Multiply it in ways that um, are beyond anything we could ever think of to bring glory and honor to you. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray, that we worship, and that we give. Amen.
Revelation chapter 22. If you don't have a concordance, a concordance in your Bible, go way to that. And that's where you're going to find our passage for this morning. We've been on this journey discovering what uh, an eternity in heaven is going to be like. And we've decided eternity is forever. It's ongoing, never ending. So what is it that, that we'll be doing that whole time in heaven? I can guarantee you this. Nobody in heaven is ever going to say, I'm bored. Because there's going to be so much to do. We look at worship as being one of those things that we are going to do a couple of weeks ago. And we've discovered that worship is probably going to look a little bit different. It's not going to be sitting on clouds, playing harps, and just chilling out all day long. But worship's going to be invigorating. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be completely different because we will see and experience Jesus Christ face to face. He is the audience of our worship. So often we get it reversed. We come in and Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish theologian over 200 years ago said, you know, in a worship service there are three components. There's a director, if you think of it like a movie or like a play, there's the director who is directing the actors on stage. And then there's the audience. And so often we think that you know, that us up here, we're the, the actors, that God is the director, and that as the congregation, we're the audience. That's the wrong lens to be viewing worship through. It's not about what's in it for me. It's not about how does worship make me feel? What did I get out of worship today? It's about did I worship God today? The way Kierkegaard turns that around is he says this. He says that we are the directors, that the congregation, the congregation is the actors, that God is the audience. So as we worship, we lead you to hopefully worship God as our audience, that he is honored and glorified in all that we do. And since worship is going to be a little bit different in heaven, even if you can't carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket here on earth, Chances are you're going to be able to sing in heaven. And as I was working on this message, Sydney had already given me the music, and I kept rolling through that first song, especially the chorus to that first song. And one day, all of this is going to pass away. One day, we will be with him in eternity. And oh, oh, what a day that will be. So let me just invite you to stand. We're going to sing that chorus together one more time. Oh, uh, worship is going to 
things that we do in heaven will be components of worship and can be, as we're going to see today. But this morning, what I want to look at is one more thing that's going to keep us from being bored out of our Lord in eternity. Look at along with me in Revelation chapter 22, beginning of verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of, wa of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Can I get an amen? amen? Oh, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Wow. Revelation chapter 21 is John's vision of a new heaven and a new earth, because Scripture lets us know one day this will pass away and everything will be made new. God gave John glimpses and as John wrote that, he gives us glimpses into what that will be like that one day when everything becomes new. And as we read, as we were looking here, I hope that your mind went, wait a minute, this sounds familiar. This sounds reminiscent of the beginning of the book. If you go back to Genesis, if Revelation 22 sounds so familiar, just like Genesis 1 and 2, so much so that if your Bible maybe is like mine and it has some headings in different spots, right at the top of chapter 22, my heading says, Eden Restored. So is it any wonder that it sounds a lot like Eden Created? In Revelation 22, we move inside this city to discover that it's like a beautiful garden, which again reminds us of the Garden of Eden. Eden had an earthly river that flowed through the middle of it and then broke out into four separate rivers. And John sees this river flowing from the throne of God right down through the center of the city. In Eden, Eden of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 2, 15 through 17, and Eden of the Tree of Life in Genesis 3, 22 to 24 were forbidden. But in eternity, John says, we will have access to the Tree of Life. God put Adam and Eve in the garden. All of this, God says, is yours to enjoy. Just don't eat from that tree. That one, you see the, don't eat that tree. Adam, you got some, you good? I got it. Don't eat. What tree are you not going to eat from? That one. Exactly. It's like a parent giving their kid a super soaker and saying, don't squirt your brother or sister. <laughs> no. Don't eat. Enjoy everything except that one thing. So what did mankind do? The one thing. The one thing they were told not to. But now the river and the 
tree, we have access to the tree of life. It's going to tree of life. It's going to give us food to eat. The river and the tree in Revelation 22 are symbolic of the wonderful, the abundant life that we will experience in eternity with God. Oh man, what a day that will be! Revelation 22:3 tells us no longer. Will there be any curse? Whew. Takes us back to Genesis 3, 14 through 19, where the curse began. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, because of their sin, the curse was put in place. Before this, working the ground wasn't any big deal. Before this, it was a joy to work. But now, as a result of their sin and disobedience, they're thistles. As a result of their sin and disobedience, there's hard Virginia clay. As a result, we got all of these obstacles now that will be gone. No more, no longer will there be any curse. Why? Because one day Satan and his helpers will be sent to hell. The curse will be gone and we won't have to experience cancer or any of these kinds of things anymore. Ooh. One day. So what will we do in heaven for all eternity? Well, we discovered we'll worship, we'll praise God. But according to Revelation 22, 3, we will also serve him. I don't know who you think his servants that will serve him are, but tag your ears. If you claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will serve him. His servants will serve him. A basic definition of service involves fulfilling responsibilities in which we do work for someone. As God's servants serving him, we will have work to do in eternity. And every child right now is going, serious chores in Every mom and dad are going, laundry, dishes, is there going to be toilets to scrub, leaves to raise? Are you serious? Right now, heaven sounds a little more like hell. If we got to work, what will work look like in heaven? We're going to serve him. We think the way that I just described. Because we're still living under the curse, y'all. We're looking at it through the perspective. We're looking at it through the lens of where we are right now. And as with worship, we need to look at work through an eternal perspective rather than our current situation. We need to look at it as what it will be, not as what it is at this moment. So why will we work in heaven? Well, in Genesis, we know that God created all that is. He created humanity in his image. He placed man and woman in that garden to tend for, to care for, to cultivate that garden that he had created for them. And everything was perfectly paradise. Whatever you think paradise looks like, it was more than that. It was just the way that God intended his creation to be. God's worked. We see that in the seven days of creation. For the first six days, God did what? 
For the first six days, God created. He worked. And on the seventh day, he... Oh, now you would. Yeah, the seventh day he rested. We know. Scripture tells us God worked. We know that he worked prior to sin entering into the world. Into the world and I can guarantee he continues to work now that sin is in the world. Work is a part of God's nature. Work was part of Jesus' nature. In John 5, 17, Jesus says, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I am working too. Being created in the image of God means we have been created to work. Long before they sinned, God gave Adam and Eve the responsibility of work. In Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. I think the reason people view work as hell is because, well, we've got bosses that are demanding. We've got co-workers that bug the stuff out of us. We've got time deadlines and constraints on us. Our work environment can be trying. Our bodies get tired. The government puts so many regulations on our work that it seems like we have to work twice as hard in order to accomplish even less. And the list goes on and on. But none of that will be an issue in eternity because there will be no more curse. It'll be back to the way God intended from the beginning. But even in this life, we know that God has created us for work. Ephesians 2.10 tells us we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in this life, we can begin to experience how rich and how rewarding work will be one day in eternity if we begin to view our work as an opportunity to worship. If we view our work as an opportunity to serve God in this life, here and now, work can stretch us and cause us to grow in knowledge and in wisdom. So what kind of work will we be doing in eternity? Well, for those of you who are gardeners, let me see your hands. It's all right, be proud. For those of you who are farmers, let me see your hands. Y'all got to leg up on the rest of us. Because we know that there is going to be farming and gardening. Revelation 22.2, we read, On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Someone's going to take care of that. There's going to be some farming and gardening in eternity. But the curse of sin will be gone. So there won't be the hard clay. There won't be the thistles. There won't be all of that that came as a result of the curse in Genesis 3. How about musicians? Let me see my musicians. Yeah, 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 okay. Musicians, you might have plenty to do in heaven with all that worship going on. If you're a builder, there's going to be work in heaven. If you're an engineer, an artist, a singer, a songwriter, craftspeople. You're going to have plenty to do in eternity. God is a creative God and he calls us to be creative alongside of him. You're going to 
create buildings that will never rot, decay, or be destroyed by an earthquake, hurricane, or anything else. Oh, man, what will that be like? There are going to be scientists in heaven, yes. Those who seek to prove God through science will be there. Those who seek to disprove God will probably not. But there's going to be science in all kinds of locations in heaven. All of these, along with some that we may not even comprehend or know about right now. But they'll be there. God will equip saints to do the work of those jobs. There's going to be some of us who will have to find new occupations in eternity. Because the curse will be gone. A couple of weeks ago, when we were looking at worship, I jokingly said, who's going to preach in heaven? Because it matters. Nobody's going to preach in heaven. There's not going to be any sin to preach against. There's not going to be, you're going to be able to go to God and ask God questions. You don't need a pastor explaining scripture to you. It's all going to be right there at your disposal. So I'll be out of a job in heaven. <laughs> Hope y'all are ready to pick me up. face to face with him. No more sickness. Means no need for pastoral care. It also means no need for nurses and doctors or surgeons. No more health insurance to go through. No more sin. Means no more need for law enforcement or prison chaplains or Kairos ministries. No more death. Means no more need for funeral directors or cemetery maintenance or roadkill cleaner uppers. It's not going to be necessary because there won't be death in that place. But just because my occupation won't be necessary doesn't mean that I'll be retired living the large life or begging on the streets of gold for handouts. can't wait to find out what that is. I do know this, that we all have passions and desires that drive us. We all have hobbies, maybe, that will become our vocations in heaven. Or, like I said, maybe there's new jobs, and with our resurrected body and mind, God may give us new work to perform that he will equip us for. We just get glimpses right now but we do know God is the creator of all that is, and he has called us to be creative alongside of him. He created us as his image bearers to glorify him with our creative accomplishments. And I think God is pleased when we do have advances in technology. I think God is pleased when we do have advances in medicine. I think God is pleased when somebody took cherries and said, let's put that in a pie and see how it tastes. Pumpkin, y'all can keep out of the pie. <laughs> I often wonder, you know, Adam got to name all the animals. Who got to name things like toast? that are parts of modernization that I think please God, but also
also as a result of the curse. Thank God for that. I think the internet is a great invention when it's used appropriately. I think cell phones are a great invention when they're used appropriately. I sure do like my car. I think it's a great invention when it's used appropriately. And I think when we bring honor and glory to God through our occupations, through our work, through the things that we do, and we express our creativity, I think God smiles on that because he is creative and he calls us to be creative. In an article entitled Heaven, Not Just an Eternal Day Off, Anthony Hokomo wrote, In the beginning, and I quote this, In the beginning, man was given the so-called cultural mandate, the command to rule over the earth and to develop a God-glorifying culture. Because of man's fall into sin, that cultural mandate has never been carried out in the way God intended only on the new earth will it be perfectly and sinlessly fulfilled. Only then shall we be able to rule the earth properly. End quote. And I agree with him on that. God entrusts us here and now with gifts, with desires and experiences on this earth. And I think he expects us to use not just for him and for his glory here, but he will expect us to use for his glory as we serve him in eternity. In many ways, our lives in eternity, I think, will be a continuation of our life here on earth. We're not going to become some other person in heaven. We're not going to have different desires and all in heaven. God places those within us right here for us to begin using here and now. What does scripture say? Whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for God's glory. That's what it's about now. We'll be that person in heaven. So rather than being upset that you won't be in some eternal state of retirement in heaven, just because you don't enjoy maybe your job here on earth, think about it this way. If money and education were not an issue, if you had $44 billion that you could spend on anything and know it's going to succeed, money and education don't matter. But you've got this idea and you know that it will not fail. What would you do? What would that be? Would it be something different maybe than what you're doing right now? Would it be an extension? Man, if I had that kind of money, I could really take this thought in my head. And John, you, poor John, John. Thank you. <laughs> I was looking for John Flynn. John Flynn was telling me about this idea one time, and he, he's telling me all about it, and I'm just smiling and nodding my head. Didn't have a clue what he was talking about. <laughs> but he did. You know, maybe that's what you would do. I don't know. But if you could do whatever you wanted, what would your desires and your passions lead you to try? Why do I ask that? Because according to Philippians 2.13, God has given you those desires and passions. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose in you. God is the one who plants the desires in your heart to accomplish his purposes for your life. And one of the best indicators of what we should be doing in life and what we might be called to do for eternity is what are your passions and desires? Right, your passion and desire is music. You enjoy teaching others. 
You ought to be retired at the beach somewhere. You're asking for more students. Because of the desire and a passion in which might, I know, honors and glorifies God in what he does. God's placed that in his heart. My desire is to serve. If you've ever done the five love languages, my love languages, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am, I'm not bilingual, y'all. I have one language in love. What is it, Heather? Acts of service. She didn't even have to think. Acts, acts of service. I, I, I love serving people. I love doing, I did air conditioning and heat work because I love helping people. I love fixing something and walking away and having them comfortable and getting comfortable. Well, I'm not going to need to be in air conditioning and heating in heaven. <laughs> so I went into ministry. Well, that one's not going to work out. <laughs> I'm at a loss of what I'm going to be doing in eternity, y'all. But God gave me those passions and desires. God gave me a passion and a desire for student ministry. And I did that for 33 years. And I think that God changes our passions and desires and stretches us in our work. It's what I said a few moments ago. I, I shared, I never once saw myself as being the senior pastor of a church. I saw myself as being a wonderful associate pastor. I saw myself as being the best support person a senior pastor could ever ask for. But God said, guess what? I'm going to take that passion and desire and ministry. I'm going to stretch you, brother. And here I am. Because of what he did. It's my passion, my desire to share Christ with other people. My younger brother. Man. My younger brother, David, graduated from Mary Washington College with an English major. He went to work in Northern Virginia for a Department of Defense contractor. He was writing and proofing government manuals. <laughs> when the news says it's a 380-page document, probably could have been said in three, but okay. That's what he was doing. His wife, my sister-in-law, was an educator. She would come home from work talking about how much fun she had at work, how much she enjoyed pouring into the lives of students and making a difference in their lives. She came home excited for her job every day. My brother came home going, I wish I was like you. So what did he do? He went and got a teaching degree. He left a six-figure income working for a government contractor to become a high school English teacher. In Northern Virginia, that was such a huge story, the Washington Post wrote it. A year later, we went on a fishing trip out on the bay to celebrate one of my brother-in-law's birthdays. It's the first time I've had the opportunity to see my brother since he started his teaching career. And at that place, I said, hey, Dave, how do you like your job? And with a smile ear to ear, he said, you can't call what I do was to help other people. That's what I envision work in eternity being like. We'll be serving God in the way that God intended from the beginning, and as a result, it will help form our worship as we worship Him through work, as we worship Him through the opportunity to speak into other people in whatever occupation we have. In eternity, our work will be exciting instead of exhausting. Because God will have given us renewed minds and resurrected bodies filled with energy. And we'll be excited to serve 
and glorify God in our work, but just like worship, I said, you know, we ought to spend the time we have on earth practicing and preparing for eternity when it comes to our worship. We ought to spend our time here on earth practicing and preparing for our work as well. There are retired friends I have that are doing it right. Not, not that there's a right or wrong way to In my mind, they do it right. Because they're serving. They're finding opportunities to serve God. If I can shelve some of those. But I remember, I've heard a common saying that I hear from retired people who are serving and loving what they're doing is this. I don't know how I ever had time to work. Because I'm loving the opportunity to do what I'm doing. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. The, the passions, the desires that God gives you and places in you are things that you might as well start exercising now. Because you're going to be doing it forever. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this reminder that we will be serving our Creator in heaven. And one way we can begin to do that is by serving our Creator here and now. So, Father, help us as we go through this coming up week to do just that. To serve you in the various tasks that we partake in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, we'd love for you to take the opportunity to do that this morning. Connect with me online if you'd like to know more about that. Maybe you're sitting here and you've gone, ooh, I've been looking at work through the wrong lens. I've been looking at it through the wrong perspective. I need to look at it through my eternal perspective rather than my earthly one. The curtain be gone. Work's not going to be like it is right here and now. But God, help me. Help me to worship you through my work here and now. Help me to have that eternal perspective here and now. And maybe you just need to take care of some business, whatever that looks like, with God there in your pew, here at the altar, in your home. If you'd like to know more about becoming part of the Mill Creek family, that's together. You know, Jesus in the, in the Lord's Prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have an opportunity to bring his kingdom here on earth as we work and as we worship. If you have a decision to make, I'd love to hear about that. If not, let's just worship one more time here this morning as we take this break.
my eyes caught down, piled down, and notes came up. Another one who retired, what, about a year and a half ago, John? Two, two years ago, my house time flies when you retire. Huh? Are you enjoying retirement? Yes. Are you enjoying serving the Lord in retirement? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think about, are you done already? Right? Okay. Come on up here with me.